Welcome back, comedy fans, to an all-new Comedy at the Carlson Cast. To get more information and learn how to subscribe if you don't know how to do that at carlsoncast.com. Today's episode, of course, it's a very special episode. It's number 108 with Mr. Sam Morrill, everybody. Today's episode is, of course, brought to you by Sporty Cafe and Catering. It's Rochester's favorite spot for lunch and any of your catering needs. Find them on Facebook and Instagram at Sephori Rochester. Fun place. Also, of course, Three Heads Brewing. You're going to need some of this during the holiday season. The f makers of Rochester's favorite beer. Remember, do good things and always be kind. Now, it's our favorite host. He's got lots of presents in his sack for you. It's Mr. Vinny Paulino. My sack overfloweth. Sure. Hello, everybody. Gross. Welcome to the comedy at the Carlson Gross. Cast. I am your bountiful host. Sure. Bountiful host, Vinny Paulino. Uh, Ross Johnson, thank you for doing such a wonderful introduction today. You got it, man. Brian Ball is Hi. here. Hi. So, it's going to be a good show. We are, as Ross mentioned, we are number 108. That's wild. Weird, wild stuff. The magic number. Um, no, Ross. This is, this is, it's an even number, but not a magic and number. And we've all hated each other since one. I will talk about magic, though, for a second, because the career of our guest today there's got to be some sorcery involved because not only is this man adept and getting on every single late night show that exists often better than anyone else. Yeah. He was also in a billion dollar movie. He was in mm -hmm. Joker and here. And you know what else? The best part is in the Joker movie, Brian, the credit Sam Morrell as Sam Morrell. Yeah. Who wants to play a part when you can just be you? He's a member in the DC universe. He's a member work. of the DC universe as himself. Let me tell you something. In the DC universe, Sam Morrill is as real as Superman. I That's mean, how that works. It's yeah. really the DC universe is just Joker. I don't know if they connect. You know what I'm saying? It's. I mean, it's still good. Well, Scorse Scorsese was originally supposed to produce that movie. Okay. I think. I don't think he did. Maybe he had no, a little something. I, yeah, I don't know. But maybe that makes him alive in the Goodfellas universe somehow. <laughs> I don't, yeah, know. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Either way, we have a lot of questions for Sam Morrell, and I bet you do too. So if you want to text them in, text your questions to 585-484-0265. Now, it's going to be a big couple of weeks coming up here at Comedy of the Carls, and there are some very large shows. Rich, Rich Voss is going to be here. We have New Year's Eve with John DeCrosta. Mm -hmm. Vinny and Tommy's Adult Christmas is Saturday night, and we're sold out. Thank you very much for those of you who got your tickets. We love you for it. But uh, we've been getting a lot of questions about something that we announced here at the club. And I want to take a second just to clear up a few things because my inbox has been blowing up all week. Uh, people want to know when they're going to be able to sign up for Comedy College at the Carlson. Yes. Now, what that is for those of you who are uninitiated and don't know what that is, we are offering our very first comedy classes here at the club. Um, it's not really like classes. It's more of like a coaching yes. kind of a thing. We're going to take... Mentorship. Kind of, sort of. We're going to take 20 uh, perspective individuals pers perspective comedians and just help them develop their first five minute set now you can look for the application it will be out middle of next week at wow. carlsoncast.com you will be able to start applying to participate in the class and the class is by the way ross would you like to know how much we're charging for the class are you charging three thousand dollars i am charging not three thousand dollars you would pay three thousand i would pay three thousand how much would you pay brian uh, I would pay. I would pay two hundred twenty-five dollars. Okay, guess what? I'm charging two twenty-six. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is free. We are doing this as a public service. Gratis. I, I got to be honest with you. I get so disgusted with the ideas of these comedy classes and the way that 
they're basically people use them just to make money off people who don't know any better and it kind of bugs me so this class is going to be completely free uh you're going to be coached by professionals and that's it we just want to help now if i fill out an application what kind of things are is this like a are you looking for stuff in particular or is it just like name and uh yeah. checking account? No, no, there's some no questions nude photos there's okay. going to be no some questions photos. to think okay. about on this and the idea is we want to find the right people who are going to mix well with um, each other is like small groups because there's going to be small groups involved in it with joke writing. So we want to know like who your favorite three comics are. You know, uh, have you ever tried stand-up before? If so, how long? Do you want to do this as a potential career? Or are you just looking to do this as a hobby? Those are the types of questions we're going to ask. Mm -hmm. um, so nothing too invasive. We don't need your social security number or anything like that. But just all I'm saying, folks, is if you're interested in Comedy College at the Carlson, keep an eye out to the Carlson Facebook page middle of next week and to make it wacky it's it's comedy with a k carlson with a k no no, <laughs> no, right? no 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 that was no, my no, suggestion no 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 do you realize that all of your suggestions involve getting us mixed up with white supremacists <laughs> or wearing costumes i do realize that yeah all the time you want us <laughs> to dress up like that. ghosts yeah <laughs> yeah it's fun for Halloween. We, you called us yeah, dunce ghosts, ghost. and it was really <laughs> yeah. not a good look. It's no. a cone head and a ghost. It's a mashup. It's perfect. No. What? No. I don't understand. Uh, we're going to be right back with our guest, Sam Morell. So uh, text in your questions now. 585. I always got to look at the number. 484-0265. We'll be right back with Sam after these words about our upcoming shows here at the Carlson. Hey everybody, welcome to Comedy at the Carlson. We got lots of really cool shows coming up for you. Visit carlsoncomedy.com to check out our schedule. We have Sam Morrill, December 12th through the 14th. We have Anthony Rodia, December 18th. April Macy, December 19th through the 21st. Always nice to see her around. And Mike Cannon, one night only, December 20th. Rich Voss, December 26th through the 28th. Malcolm Whitfield on December 27th in the Rickles Room. And on New Year's Eve, John DeCrosta, two shows, seven and nine. Come out and spend New Year's Eve with us. It'll be fun. And Tim Meadows starting off the new year on January 2nd through the 4th. We have Sam J, January 9th through the 11th. Trevor Wallace, January 16th through the 18th. Those are selling fast. You might want to check that one out quick. Timmy Pescatelli, January 23rd through the 26th. In the Rickles Room, Maddie Smith and Andrew Schiavone on January 24th. Jimmy Schubert, the 31st through the 1st of February. And Takara Williams, February 13th through the 15th. February 20th through the 22nd, Drew Michael. And Jade Cotapretta on February 27th through the 29th. Again, if you need tickets, visit carlsoncomedy.com or call 5854-COMEDY and we will see you at the show. All right, folks, joining us in the studio is our headliner this weekend. He is going to be here in Rochester for four more shows at Comedy at the Carlson. You get your tickets now. Joining us in the studio, Sam Morell, everybody. Hey. Clap, Brian. Don't mess this up. That's what it sounds like when two guys clap for you in a row. 
I'm, I'll, I'll get used to it for this weekend. <laughs> just, just once. <laughs> it is very nice to have you in studio, man. Yeah, it's good man. to be here, man. You had a great show last night on a they Thursday. They were so good, man. That was so. This club is awesome. This is. I'm pumped to be here. That's very cool, man. I, yeah. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, this is cool. I like. Uh, I like when you feel like the club cares and they care. You can just feel it. And also, like so many clubs are just papering the rooms now, where they just give away these free tickets. So I could just tell these people were invested. So it, it's just yeah, I, I get a great vibe from this club already. Well, we're glad to hear that, man. We yeah. try to uh, comedy first, last yeah, and dude. always. That's our yep. rules around totally. here. So, Sam, you're from New York. Yeah. Have you been to Rochester before? Is this your first time playing up here? I don't know if I've been here. I've, de I've definitely, I feel like I have, but I can't remember. I've done Buffalo a couple of times. I've done Syracuse. I've done uh, Albany, but not, I don't know if I've, I've definitely not done comedy in Rochester. Well, welcome to the sweet spot of the Rust yeah, Belt, my friend. <laughs> I love it. It doesn't get any better than this up here. It doesn't really not. Unfortunately not. <laughs> it's funny because, like, last night the host said, Mackenzie said, uh, clap it up for coming out and i'm like in rochester that fucking means something with this weather yeah because that's yeah, usually like yeah. a stock line for hosts but like in this weather you're like yeah you, this is like this takes effort yeah you know? yeah it's a thing i respect it yeah we're actually having a proper winter this year too dude it's hilarious that i'm looking at my phone and it's like 20 degrees and i'm like i'm like this is good for Rochester. like I, this is like what you hope for yeah because any colder i feel like people won't come up but 20 like we can go ahead in 20 Maybe yeah. it's like 30 today. Yeah. You got to lower your expectations a bit. To be honest with you, yeah. from my experience, I feel like the colder, the better it is for comedy around here. Yeah. We have, this city loves stand-up. That's, yeah. I mean, that, there's no <laughs> way a club like this would exist, like this large of a club, yeah. if, the, if the city didn't embrace it. And we have like an auditorium theater. We have massive comedy shows. We have a club that's an A-room, obviously. We yeah. have folks like yourself here. But then we've got, like, you know, Bill Maher coming through. Bill Burr coming Bill through. Bill Maher. Yeah. Get, get ready. I love when Bill Have you ever seen – got to look up Kyle Donegan's impression of Bill Maher. Is it good? It's the best. He does a thing where it's Bill Maher reading to children. And it's just like it's just it's just that condescending. Oh, yeah. the kid went up the water spout. <laughs> just everything. It's, he's he's like okay, okay. I, like that's his whole vibe to me. Is like so, he's so it just seems like such a not nice human being. Well, <laughs> I respect him too. I remember he wrote that book, true story, a novel about the stand-ups, and it was like a great book. And he's a, obviously, a, but he just seems like he's just so not a nice dude. No, not no. even a little bit. Yeah. No, Either I, way, we had him at the auditorium theater. Yeah. Well, I'm sure he draws. Well, I got to ask you this question yeah. because I've been watching a lot of your stuff the last week or so, obviously getting ready to have an intelligent conversation with you about things. But uh, there's one video that I have to say, I'm not going to play it because the copyright stuff will, will mess us up in the live feed. But if you want to have a good time, why don't you look up Sam Morell, uh, his interview in Pittsburgh on oh. local news, <laughs> you lunatic. That was the funniest thing I've ever seen. For those of you who don't know, when you do this, when you work as a comic and you go from city to city they always make you go do the news some of you right. may have seen our comics <laughs> do the news this morning and do other weeks but sam you decided to take an interesting approach to this well a lot of the t here's what happens a lot of the time you're on two hours sleep and they don't do like you actually do preparation on your show and some people these shows usually don't prepare so not even they, a little not even a little so they, they're expecting me to just carry every interview and when you're on two hours sleep you, so it was something like they, had, they asked a couple in a row, and the first one was like, so when did you start? 
have you always been funny? And it's like, you want me to just weave a two minute riff on have you always been funny? So I just said, uh, no, when I was young, I was molested by my uncle and he was really funny. And it gave me, <laughs> it gave me uh, Spider-Man like superpowers. Yeah, you the know, radioactive like spider that bitch. Yeah. yeah. So, so I, and she just was like, I don't know what to do with that. <laughs> I was like, yeah. I mean, I mean, welcome to my world. <laughs> so, I don't know what to do with it either. I just, uh, so, but then of course, you know, I never get tweets or like anything when I do morning TV and I got a bunch. So I was like, oh, that's probably a good sign. Yeah. So no a bunch of it. people reshared it and it got a lot of views and actually moved a lot of tickets. I was like, well, that's why you do morning TV, right? To move tickets. Uh, and it's funny. I, I did morning TV this morning. I was on the phone with my girlfriend yesterday, and I was like, oh, I got to wake up for morning TV. And she was like, just don't be a dick. And I was like, all right, I'll try. I'll try not to be a dick. When they, when they do even, like, the slightest amount of homework on me, I, I get But it's like when, it, when, it, when it's yeah, just – Yeah, put in some when, effort. When the setup is just, have you always been funny? I'm like, come on. I well, mean, it was, like, it was like the third question. of those in a row where I was like, you didn't prepare. Right. You know what I mean? So – the honest answer in this particular case yeah. was probably not the answer they were looking for, but they no. actually got an amazing opportunity to do a real interview and it went. Whew. Yeah, it was rough, uh, but you know, it ended up moving tickets in Pittsburgh. So that's what you want to do. Right. The, uh, I was telling you when we were in the green room last night about uh, Otto and George, and I wanted to tell you this story yeah. on air because it, Otto and George looked them up famous comedian ventriloquist duo the dummy spit venom like the the dummy was just mean to everybody yeah and uh we went to this tv show that was like rochester's version of entertainment tonight and they had no idea what are yeah. they going to do with this guy from new jersey and his puppet who swears all the time so the lady who was interviewing him was trying to back out of doing the interview before it even started, Sam. Oh, she was like, great. I don't know, I, I don't know what we're gonna do. And he's just like, to do the interview, stupid, like he's yelling at him <laughs> with, <laughs> with the puppet. And so the weather guy's there. You almost the, feel bad for her because at least she knew what was about to happen. You yeah, know? she did. She was a, but she was aware that it was gonna be a problem. Kinda. Yeah. The weather guy walks up and goes, I love ventriloquism. He got so excited oh, when he no. saw the dummy. And he goes, do you know who Paul Winchell is? And Paul <laughs> Winchell, I guess, is like some old ventriloquist. And Otto was like, oh, yeah, I know Paul Winchell. Oh, he was the greatest. And he's and the lady's like, do you want to do the interview with him? To the weather guy. And he's like, oh, I don't think so. And she's like, come on, be in the interview. So now oh, they no. have her. The weather guy is there for like moral support for her. Otto and the puppet. And the first thing she says to him is listen, uh, we have to do a couple of news stories, but we'd appreciate if you don't comment on the news. That's not the kind of show this is. And the first story was about gun control and HIV. Oh my God. Yeah. The second the lights turn on, the second they're live, hey, come see Otto and Georgia comedy at, or uh, at the Joke Factory or whatever it was. And the puppet all man goes, you know, those, uh, those, the AIDS, huh? Talk about AIDS? Like, and just starts going right in <laughs> yeah. on AIDS jokes. And then it's like, well, you know, if I had AIDS, I'd shoot myself. But, uh, you know, they got the gun control. And he just starts riffing oh, no. on AIDS and guns to the point where they cut this segment in about two minutes. And I was never able to get the video of it. Oh, yeah. Well, that's the problem yeah. is they wouldn't, even on the Pittsburgh thing, I knew it was a funny clip, but they wouldn't give me the clip. So I had to post it. Anyone by any chance record <laughs> Pittsburgh Today Live? And someone did. Thank that's God. Awesome. Yeah. But uh, yeah, they, 
I, you got to play dumb too. We were like, oh, that was a really great back and forth we had. I'd love to get a cut. And they're like, we know what you're trying to do. We know you're trying to just get a clip. But uh, <laughs> how how good did you feel after you did it? Because that's like, I didn't feel be good. A I was list. like, I I didn't feel good. I, it, the moment I knew it was funny. The problem I, it was, I knew it was like a a funny moment because. I knew I played. I was so tired. I normally wouldn't have been able to keep a straight face. Right. I'm not a good enough actor, but I was so tired. I'm like two hours of sleep that I kept a straight face. But uh, I didn't think it was like a really witty thing I did. I think it was just like a funny moment because it was so uncomfortable. I don't think yeah. it was like particularly clever. It was just like a, a funny moment because it was bad TV. Well, I, I have a follow-up question. Yeah. Just how funny was your uncle? <laughs> My uncle didn't appreciate that. He follows me on social media. He said, I never molested you. And I was like, that's true. <laughs> he never molested me. That's it. You're so that my was, other uncle you don't know about. I swear to God, I thought you were being honest. I, no, no, you no, really no, didn't... no, no, no. I just said that because I was thinking of like, the dumbest thing I could possibly say in that scenario. I was just, no, I didn't, pro no, I was never molested. It was a, completely a joke. Uh, now um, I feel like a chump. Oh, really? Yeah, I actually bought it. I didn't realize. No, I would never, like, I mean, I oh, just I didn't said. I never thought it was real. Oh, yeah, no, it was definitely not real. But, Because uh, I could see the glee in your eyes as you were saying. Yeah, I think it was, it was more like, just. I was like, just, you kept a straight face, but you could just see the, the glee Someone pointed out eyes. to me that I turned to the camera and kind of like, they could say, we, we, were, we were aware of the evil in you because you turned <laughs> to the camera and just kind of made a face. Like, we, you knew what you just did. No, I just, it was just. Just a little twinkle in the eye. How many, how many times can you do those shows where, like, I've just done too many of them where they just don't, they clearly don't care. So I, mm -hmm. when, when at a certain point you're like, let me just say anything i don't know i think those are so much funnier those interviews when they just completely go off the rails well yeah there's no when there's nothing prepared yeah if you could yeah. get even something remotely entertaining out of it those it's the best that's kind of what i was thinking yeah. they're all forgettable everything is completely forgettable yeah and i know it's like n nothing yeah you're right i mean but also, I don't know. I don't feel like it's not like it's like you say. Like, did you know you did something funny? It's not like I feel good after that clip. I was just like, how do I? How do and it's I move? not like you are hard to find on the internet if they want to, you know. Because when I was doing research, like Vinny said, doing the same thing, doing research, but like there are a bazillion clips of you on the internet. It would take somebody yeah. five freaking minutes to learn something about at least about your act and about what you talk about. Yeah, I don't know. I think I think most people just don't i think it's just a, a gig that they probably don't either they don't love or they just don't care and uh or maybe they just like aren't like i think a lot of people just aren't that interested in stand-up so i don't know i think that the numbers would probably be, prove that wrong i think that a lot of people really are interested in the minutiae of it but the but fact that's is they the never audience. get to the minutiae i think that's the thing too is like if i'm doing a lot a morning show and like no, no, no one who's going to be a fan of mine is watching that show unless right. I unless they happen to be watching and I do something ridiculous. That's the only way a fan of mine is going to be watching. Well, they that. want to get the baking tips, right? Yeah. Right. And don't we all? Right. I want to know how to make a seven layer dip. Uh, <laughs> no, I think I uh, can only get to six layers. It's, I can't dude, figure out that the last seven. Layer. falls apart around <laughs> yeah. five on yeah. that last layer, man. Yeah. No. Uh, yeah. It's. It's. I think that's just you got to make it. You got to make something happen. I think I don't know, and I'm also just not thinking. It's like you're just. It's almost like I'm. Not, I don't go into those shows with a plan. You know, <laughs> fair enough. I don't prep. I don't prep either. You know, right, <laughs> right. So, were you always funny? 
I'm no, actually, I'm not asking you that question. What if I what if I took like a really long answer on this show? I'm like, actually, what a boring how how boring an answer would that be? Yeah. No, actually, one day, I uh, I just cracked it. <laughs> just one day, I just was like walking around. I was like, no, you know what? I think I can be funny now. I, I am like I, any like any skill you hone it right. It's like it's like I, that, that's a, I guess some I guess it's not a horrible question like any right but you know. Right. But you've been asking it. But if you're a musician, times. right? It's not like yeah. you. It's like have you always been a great musician? Of course not. You know, yeah, right. you might have had like a natural aptitude for it as a kid, but you know. Sure. But you know, you, know, you weren't like always a great musician. One of the things that I do find interesting, though, is like exactly how someone ended up standing on a stage telling jokes. Like, how did you decide you were even going to hit an open mic or? Get I just like stand up a lot, man. I just like I liked. Uh, Carlin and Rock and all those comics and I just uh, I love Dangerfield and Natale and I, I just um, I remember I, I went to a few shows and then I just was like you know what actually I was at a show at Caroline's and I met Patton Oswald after a show just as a fan and no I was form. like probably mm -hmm. 18 or something and I and I asked him like what do I do how do I get on stage and, and he said you just have to do it and he said if you email me I'll answer you and I, I did and he did and he just said like you should uh he said, do an open mic. Just go to an open mic and do it. And I did. And, like, you know, it's pretty cool that he answered me. He's a, He probably gets a lot of emails. And yeah. then uh, I did an open mic. And then I did, uh, and then I did, like, a bringer show at the comic strip. And, the, of course, the open mics were horrible. But the bringer, a bunch of people I knew came out because they thought I was funny right. as a human. So they were like, well, we'll go support him. And I was horrible, but they all laughed. So that gave me confidence to keep. You get, I heard Colin Quinn once say, you get just enough not to quit. Yep. If you're going to stick that's around. That's a very good right? way to put it. Yeah. And that's kind of how I felt. It's like the open mics broke my spirit and stuff. But yeah. every once in a while, your friends think it's cool that you just were doing it at that age especially so i think they would they would come out and, and support and that gave me confidence if they believed that i could do it you know mm -hmm. i had some friends that were assholes i had some friends i remember i did a friars club roast when i was like 21 and it went horribly and i just fucking ate it omarosa from uh the apprentice and uh trump former trump cabinet member as yes well. yeah uh she really linked up with a winner and uh <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah it went so badly and i remember like kids i grew up with were like posting the link that i bombed they're like haha look at them it's like jesus people are such assholes like you're at a friday you are actually on the dais of a friars club roast it was shut a, up was a, i know i remember paul mooney was the roast master and paul mooney this is his intro for me he goes you uh your next comic i didn't have any credits or anything so he's like he read a he read a thing i found online he goes he liked uh, bill hicks and uh Sam Kinison and uh, and uh, Rodney Dangerfield and Richard Pryor, all friends of mine, all dead. Give it up for Sam Morrell. That's how he introed me, and everyone was like, "What? <laughs> what a lovely and table you, there's setting." A, there's a part where you cut to my face, not it's just me going like, and then I went on stage, and it was, uh, it was, yeah, it was a horrible set. And so I just and I just kind of kept going. I kept bombing. I was like, "Fuck it, I'm doing my time." And I love dead. that though. That's all you can do. Yeah, I remember Rich Voss went on after me and he bombed a joke. And I didn't know Rich at the time. I knew he was. And he goes, you guys better laugh or I'm bringing Sam back up. <laughs> and I was like, fuck. Yeah, he's a dirty player like that. He's a dirty player. Throw it was right a good under line. the bus. It was a good line. And uh, anyway, yeah, it was... So, but yeah, so you have some friends that are like, ah, oh, shit, like, good for you for just soaking up. You have other friends that just are like, 
you fucking suck. They like they want they just want to throw you under the butt. Like you know the certain type of person I'm talking about. Like they won't take any fucking risk right. in yeah. their life, but they get off on your failure. It's like a, it's like a sick type of. I mean that's like that's the internet, man. Schadenfreude. <laughs> it is. Yeah, it's it's, it's, it's it working on this podcast. Is what it is. So. <laughs> yeah, you'd have to be my friend, dude. It's <laughs> for it's, that to work. It's fucking yeah, exactly. Like if they if, like your friends reveling in one of your bombs is so different than. An acquaintance assholes. doing it. Yeah. yeah, if it's your friend, they kind of appreciate you on a certain level, and it's yeah. like out of love. Like, it's fun to watch friends of mine bomb when they do it gracefully and in a funny way, but I don't know. I'm I have friends you, like that that are almost better when they're bombing. I prefer having my friends bust my balls than having the fake sympathy from an audience member after after a bomb. Yeah, like, somebody awful. walks up and goes, Keep keep going. You'll you'll make it. And you were great too. And, oh my god! Because <laughs> they're not. They're almost like not even saying that for you. Because if like you don't need someone. If you're actually in this for real, you don't need someone to tell you to keep going, right? right. Like how fucking like if that's what you need, then you don't have what it takes to do this, right? Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. So was it like an immediate addiction for you? Like yeah, yeah pretty totally, quickly, just totally. like right from day one. This is I'm doing this now. I didn't go as hard as I thought I needed. I was a kid, so I didn't go as hard as I thought I need as you need to. Like I was like, oh shit. You know, and, and the quality of stage time, it's hard to go hard out of the gate. I'm always impressed oh, yeah. by people mm -hmm. like, you know, like people like I knew, like, you know, Michael Che and Krista Stefano and Michelle Wolf, who like, who are all hilarious. And they all, they all went really hard out of the gate. And I kind of didn't do that. I think because the quality of stage time was so bad. And I think I also didn't know who I was such a kid. I was a kid. So I didn't like when Che started, he was already kind of a fully formed adult and he was so intelligent and stuff. And I, sure. I wasn't that. So I think it took me a while. When, when you're starting out that young, do you find the biggest hurdle is finding the things that are relevant to a regular comedy audience? Because, like, the perspective of an 18 to 19 year old is very different than the perspective of. Homework's the, crazy, man. The 40 yeah. year old guy who brought his wife out to the show. Yeah, well, I was always kind of like. I always related to, like, older men for some reason. I think there's, like, that Jewy New York quality. That uncle you kinda, thing. Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> my uncle just fucked the, he he had fucked the shit out of me, and it made me so funny. Um, no, I just. Uh, no, I think you just. You get funnier. As you go along, obviously, but you have to find that way to connect out of the gate. And that, yeah, it's a challenge. Like, I would do a lot of, like, just joke jokes because I mm -hmm. thought that was a way to connect where you're like, well, this is clever, so this will get... And it and it was. Like, I, I had decent jokes out of the gate. I just didn't... It just took me a while. It, t it, it takes you a while. Like, I knew how to write a joke. I remember I had, like, some jokes I look back and I'm like, fuck, that's a hacky joke or that's nothing. But then I have some jokes I look back and I'm like, that was a pretty good joke for a kid, sure. you know? Sure. So, you know, it. I think relationship jokes were always an easy way to connect because whether you're 18-year-old or whether you're an old person, you've been in love or you've had relationship problems. So, you know, that relationship jokes are, are especially when, like, you feel like the country is this divided. I don't want to talk politics. I just don't on stage. So I'll do a bit that if I think a joke's going to be divisive, I can make sure the joke is great. So, but then if you pad it with relationship jokes, everyone, everyone's on board. I feel like at least with the premise and then you got to find an interesting original angle, but let me, let me ask you your opinion on something because that's, that's something you're not the first person who's brought up not wanting to alienate the audience by doing anything political. But when you see like a Michelle Wolf and you see people who have decided to cross that line, a lot of people it's really worked out for. And then others, it really hasn't. But I think Michelle is different because Michelle she uh, 
She did a correspondence dinner, and I think people wanted to hear political takes from her. And, yeah. And what's great about Michelle is that she's not a political comic. She's right. an observational comic with really bold takes. She's uh, she's political the way Chris Rock is political. Like, right. She'll, like, dabble, but the joke is not about Trump. The joke is about her amazing point of view. So I don't look at Michelle as a political and, comic. And yeah, I think she, John Stewart was a political she comic. Was, she was kind of Fair thrust enough. into it. Like, she, yeah, once, once she I did think the correspondence center, she kind of had to start they quoted me. They quoted me saying this exact thing in the New York Times this week in an article about Michelle Wolf, where I said, I think Netflix kneecapped her with her show and tried to push her to be more political than I think she should have been, right? Because Michelle is such a great joke writer and such a great... I want to hear her her thoughts and her point of view. I don't want to hear her talk about Trump. I just don't give a shit. How many people do we have to hear Trump jokes from when it's like, all right, you're watching Late Night and it's seven late night hosts. They're all dudes. They're all liberal. Like, how many takes on the, that day's news can there really be? Sure. You know? That's why I think Conan continues to do a good job even though no one watches because it's cable. Mm -hmm. Conan is just telling jokes. And that's the magic of Conan. It always has been. It's yeah. been a silly... He's the best. He's more of a silly heart than yeah, someone who wants to like take on the media. Totally. I, can, I can't recall any time in my life hearing more jokes repeated the same night than now. Like I'll watch... What do you mean? I'll watch like uh, the Colbert's monologue and watch like Kimmel's, you know, the next morning. There's almost always like repeat jokes, like right, all the time. Yes. Like that used you mean, to like, never happen. Yeah, yeah, no, like almost the exact same joke. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. But that's and my point. Is like Michelle was when so you cover cool, one topic. But Michelle's monologue, happen. I thought, I thought Pete Holmes did a cool thing on his show back in the day where it was just he was just doing stand up. Craig Ferguson would do that sometimes, yep. and it's because those guys are stand ups. Mm -hmm. So Michelle, like, think about it. none of these late night hosts are stand ups. That's very isn't true. that crazy. Yeah. Except, you know, so so Michelle would do kind of bits in the intro, and I'm like, ooh, that's great. Because, but then that's like, you know, what sucks about that is like, I can't watch this shit because I don't want to step on anyone's toes. I don't want to have anyone's thoughts in my head. So, like, you watch great comics, you know, when you can, like mm -hmm. Michelle, because I want to be inspired and I want to push. But I also, you got you to gotta really... Not be influenced. Moderation, man, because, mm -hmm. like... I don't want to, I don't want to, yeah, I don't want to be influenced in a premise. I don't, if I had a thought, like Michelle and I are, are close friends. So like sometimes she'll text me a premise and sometimes, you know, we'll go back and forth on it for a while. But then other times I'm like, I don't want to do this because I have a take on this right. and I don't want to be, a, and it's different than yours, but I don't want to, you know, and she'll do the same. It's just how it is with yeah. friends where you, you're like, well, if I help you explore this one or, or not even that I'm doing that, but like, if you talk this out, then I'm going to want to talk it out. And I might say a line talking sure. with you that i want to use sure and you know that happens that really happens i've gotten into heated conversations with people after like working on something and talking with them and then they do something very similar to what we talked about it's like a real friendship breaker upper isn't it no because i think none of these people are like gonna do that i, I think like i just I, it's, i'm just saying like to protect yourself i'm not like none of my friends are like none of them are like doing a bit i said you know but i just but i i just think you know you got to be careful not to like give away your shit if you if it's a big premise and michelle is now a voice that people want to hear because she's you know she's got great takes on topical stuff i like doing topical jokes too sure. but i don't really put them in specials i'll just kind of burn them online or something because i don't want to i don't want to 
do that stuff in hours usually. And I don't think people mm -hmm. care about it. She's like, because of the correspondence dinner, I think she is a voice that's important for a lot of people in comedy. I will uh, go ahead and say that her new Netflix special, I watched the first about 10 minutes of it the other night and I didn't get to finish it because of time. But so we'll bring an endorsement right there. <laughs> I'm going back to it this week and no, I'm going to watch know. the whole thing again. But the first 10 minutes of it were really, really funny. She's a great joke she writer. She really is. I didn't like, realize this whole interview would just be me sucking off Michelle Wolf. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> what are we going to talk to you about now? <laughs> so, so when uh, the a question I have for you is we're talking about your, your comedy progression. When did you become a magician at getting on late night television? I thought you were gonna. I thought this is like a this is gonna be like a morning TV thing with like when did no. you become a magician? <laughs> no. like, well, I mean because you get you have so yeah, many we did late all night. that prep work. You, you have so I've emotionally sawed women in half. Yeah, um, <laughs> but late nights you know what's funny is i don't even think i can get on them anymore because now they give me i'm like at the point now where i don't want to hear their notes honestly like i'll send someone really yeah i'm just kind of like why are you giving me fucking notes like have i not proven i know how to do this yeah you how, um, how many have you had like hold on hold on let's say i'm gonna name a show you tell me how many times you've done it okay colbert once okay tonight show just once conan five i think okay yeah uh have you done the corden show james once. corden okay uh, Seth no, Meyers. I've never done Seth Meyers. I'd never. like to. Seth Meyers is on the the list. Though. I just okay. like him because I've never done it, and I like him. I just think he's. Uh, I just like his. Like he seems like I think he's like a good writer and stuff. Yeah. And, uh, mm -hmm. He's yeah. So and he, he seems like Michelle is tight with him, and I think she told me I told her to see the movie In Bruges, and she said that's his favorite movie. I love that movie In Bruges. That was yeah, with um, Colin, Colin Farrell. Farrell. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I like that guy, that writer Martin McDonough. Um, I've never done, and I've never done Kimmel. I don't want to do Kimmel unless I was on like panel or something. I don't like how they do stand up on that show. Okay. Because they do it in his comedy club in Vegas, and they used to do it in like a separate room. It just, I've seen great comics bomb on that show. Because I don't think the crowd knows, they never do stand up, so I don't think the crowd knows what to do with stand up. He Whereas records Conan, the stand up in the club? I think so now, but uh, on, on uh, Conan, the crowd is so trained with stand-up they just know how to deal with stand-up i gotta be honest that's a really bad idea for a network television show what to film your stuff in like a club in vegas because... well it's also kind of promoting this comedy club so it's kind oh. of smart on his part well i mean you think about what the audiences are that go into any show and in like in a resort area like that they're Ugh. just like oh look honey a comedy show i hate vegas yeah it's like it's not like a comedy it's crowd it's just i didn't people... appreciate vegas until i went to reno and then i was like it's not that bad yeah <laughs> re re reno is like it's like uh Vegas with more hepatitis. Oh, it's awful. It's rough. Yeah. That's how I opened my shows in Reno. I said, "If you ever, oh man, I've never, I've, I've never seen fake tits in an oxygen tank on the same person." The best joke. <laughs> I was gonna say that was on your uh, your special, yeah, or your uh, your yeah. album, which yeah. is fantastic, by the way. I listened <laughs> to it twice. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Vegas, Vegas is rough, too. man. I hate Vegas. I would I, say the fakest thing you can see in your life is in Las Vegas. Yeah, you can get on the fake gondola inside the fake. <laughs> Venice in the Venetian Hotel and pay $45 to ride down a fake river with yeah. a, beneath a fake sky. <laughs> it's the most fake thing in the yeah. history of mankind. Yeah. And it's, it's the whole city in a nutshell. It's awful. It's awful. And it's also like, it's just soul crushing as a place. It's just, I hate it. I've, I've had, oh, I hate casinos too. It's just everything I hate about it's it. It's a very sad environment. Yeah, it's not for me. I, I've had good times there, but I've also had some of the worst times there. I remember, uh, yeah, I've done the Comedy Cellar in Vegas a couple of times. They just opened a club there. Yeah. And uh, 
Yeah, I went there. Funny, I was dating a comic, and I went there. We broke up, and we both didn't cancel the date. I guess we're both stubborn, so I had to spend the whole week with her, <laughs> broken up. And I was trying to be a cool. I was trying to be like a cool ex, and she's like, "We're all going to Chippendales," and I was like, "I can go to Chippendales. I don't give a shit." And then she literally gets on stage and starts like dry humping a dude as part of the show, and I was like, "I probably should not have come. <laughs> I'm not this cool." But you didn't leave. I just because at that point, I think it would have been weird. Yeah. Uh, it would have been weird to walk out. I thought that would have been more dramatic. So I was just like, I could take it. I didn't find that dry <laughs> humping to be believable. And yeah. I just walk out. I ended up hanging with some of the Chippendales guys after. I was like, these guys are all right. But it was, yeah, it was a terrible week. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. That's exactly who I'd want to hang out with. Chippendales guys? Yeah. Like, <laughs> you just walk around with those guys. Women are going to talk to you all night. You're going to have a relatively good time. I guess. I, guess. I mean, they're just, I think they're like comics. They just want to get the hell out of there. You're telling me you wouldn't want to be the wingman to a Chippendales dancer? No, I don't. Yeah, they're taking the chick, dude. Yeah, you're not. No. But there's going to be multiple. And and there's seven of them. I don't think they're allowed to travel uh, one at a time. And you reek of and you reek of bitterness because you just watch one of them dry hump your girlfriend, <laughs> your ex-girlfriend. Fine. No, was, Fine, uh, I'll just hang out with the lady with the oxygen tank and the fake boobs. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, she knows how to party. I bet she does in very short bursts because yeah. of the oxygen tank. <laughs> she um, gets tired. Dating comics, though, I know yeah. you didn't really want to talk about. It. What do you think is the biggest pitfall of dating another comic? I don't know. Just having to see them for the rest of your life. <laughs> having to fucking Dated the same having to, having to put a posted note over a face and the poster in the green room. <laughs> I don't know. It's fun. I mean, I'm actually like, it, the problem is comics tend to be interesting people, and that's why once you do this, you become they're as obsessed with, as you are. So that's why your friends become comics, right? right? That's who you see all the time. And it's, if if you go hard, you got to be a little obsessed, right? And then the other people that are obsessed are comics, and that's who you bond with, and that's who you see at the club every night. Bit of a, fr bit of a. Uh fraternity i guess for a better sexist. term well no, yeah i know <laughs> but i was looking for a better term <laughs> no you're right it is and it's it, you it's just that's your crew it's like I'm, I'm at the cellar every night when i'm home in new york and you just those are your friends and those are the people you, you love and occasionally you know in my life of you know i've dated two in my life and it's not it's not i don't think it's that weird it's just right. you, that's what you're surrounded by and you bond uh, you bond over over jokes. I love jokes, so it's like those people understand that better than anyone. And there, there comes a point, I think, when you've been doing it long enough that those are the only people you can talk to. Like that's that's our problem, though. We got to yeah. work on that. That's like when you I, I say things to humans yeah. that I say to my comedian friends all the time, which I don't think are offensive or weird at all. And like yeah. normal people are like, "Oh my god, what the hell's wrong with you?" <laughs> like you know, you're talking to another comedian, you can yeah. say messed up shit at a dinner party you're like grow a thicker skin yeah <laughs> it's it skews your perception of reality you know yeah i just i don't know i just think uh yeah i just think you can you just yeah you're right i mean but like to be obsessed the the, the word obsession is unhealthy i think and that's what you sure. kind of have to be to to yeah. do this because i think like if you're a musician you kind of practice alone or whatever but you need to be at a club every night to do this so i think you that's who you surround yourself with like i just started I, when i was single i would just blow off dates because i'd be like i have a show i'm that dude who brings a right. brings a date to four spots and i'm like how do you how was that first date watching me work all night you know it's like isn't it's this so great selfish. yeah like did, did you kind of like think that maybe 
this person would just fall in with the comic lifestyle. They never do. They always think they will. I've always said that this is, like, for some reason, dinner is the ultimate sign of stability in a partner, and I just can't do that a lot of the time. I've gotten better about it. What? No, I'm just, that's interesting. I'm Don't thinking, you think yeah. so? I mean, yeah. like, I mean, like, mm-hmm. I'll breakfast and lunch the shit out of you, but fucking dinner is hard. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard. I want, and also then I feel guilty doing lunch sometimes because I want to, I want to work. I want to like write jokes and, and I want to have new stuff to say. I don't want to, I just feel like I, I value my alone time. And right. then with a partner, you got to really, uh, give that up. You got to give it up and you got to be there for another person. And I didn't realize how selfish I am, you know, in terms, cause you really learn to be with only yourself and, and that, that is selfish to just to only be with yourself and only want to be with yourself. You got to be there for another person if you're in a relationship. Well, if you break down what stand up is in yeah. general, it is an insanely selfish act. Of course. You're going up and making a room full of people listen to you talk about yourself. Of course. But you're also you're also in your head. I mean, you to write jokes, you have to train yourself to be in your head, and yeah. it's really hard for me to shut that off. So in conversation, sometimes uh, someone will say something and I'll be like, ooh, that's kind of an interesting, and I'll start following my own thought instead of actually listening with them. Mm -hmm. And that's incredibly selfish, but it's also how I've taught myself to write jokes. Now, you were mentioned earlier before we started that you uh, had like some ADD issues kind of thing. I have the same stuff and I think that it helps you be a better comic, don't you? Sometimes. I think having a wandering mind can for creativity can be helpful, but that lack of focus hurts me. Sure. So I think it helps and it hurts. I, I think, uh, although for whatever reason, comedy is like the one thing in my life. Comedy and basketball are like the two things I can- Attention I can, grabbers? I can, I can pay attention to. But yeah, it's really hard for me to focus. But even like, I can focus on jokes, but yeah, even so, it's hard for me to sit down. So I force myself to, but it's it takes a lot of discipline. It's hard for me. I feel the same way. And I gotta tell you, did you ever, you read Steve Martin's book, I would assume, right? Uh, Born yeah. Stand Up, and he describes performing in the opening of the book, like is, you know, words coming out of your mouth, but your brain is thinking about the next thing you're gonna see, and, or the next thing you're gonna say, while simultaneously thinking about how the audience is receiving what you're currently talking about. Yeah. And to me, that's like what comedy is but it's also like oh it's perfect for people with add because your brain is go can do all those things at once i think people yeah i think people uh who are in any creative field don't want to be medicated sure you know and a lot of them are fucked up because i just think that's how it goes i mean it's not like you're not fucked up if you can be in any field but i think for whatever reason people who are creative tend to have a lot of things and uh they feel that medication will will inhibit those their skills i think they want to be as natural as possible right and uh not always the best decision for all for health yeah right but that's what i'm saying there's a lot of selfishness that goes with this uh pursuit i think it definitely i mean it's and it's i've I've said this a a hundred times on the show it's like and when you look at what we do it's like who would do that like what normal person would do that yeah comics always talk about how hard it is but if it weren't hard i feel like more people would do it yeah because there's so many people do this already it's It's not like the open mics aren't filled every week all over the world you know people want to do it all the time isn't that crazy yeah but they want to try i don't think everyone wants to do it because i've had really funny friends who just don't want the lifestyle like the road lifestyle is i've taught myself to like it but it's uh when you're not feeling well 
it's yeah. tough, man. Like I've had back problems and I've had uh, I get sick a lot. And when you're when you're in physical pain and you're sick and you're traveling every week, it's it's tough. It's it's a it's a tough thing. Like you know to to perform. But you know any job is, I guess. But um, airplanes and hotel rooms aren't happy places. Yeah, you're in recycled air all the time. It doesn't yeah. feel like I feel like I'm cutting years off my life whenever I do shit like this. You know. Yeah. Well, you're not it sleeping is the way. It, it, it's the choice. It's the choice of the business. It's either, you know, do it or don't do it. And totally, if you yeah, really want to do it, it that's all there is to it. Is you're going to travel and you're going to be stuck in hotel rooms. Especially if you're going to want to be a real stand-up. Like that's my good friends and I talk about that all the time. Who are like, you know, working stand-ups, and you just got to suck it up. It's just part of the game. And also, I think your life just gets better and better each year if you keep going at this and you keep giving it the attention it deserves. You need to really go hard with it. But if you if you go hard and give to stand up stand up will give back so you know i used to play way worse clubs now all the clubs i play are are pretty good right so and eventually it it easier you go from like the budget in to the marriott and life's right. a little bit better <laughs> it helps yeah right but you know it's a long long it's a long winding road yeah yeah it's uh it gets better it's it's what you put into it so sure. it the, the travel and stuff can be stressful but that's just the the only way to be to get better at this is to do the road i think because you're doing long sets and you're uh you can experiment like last night i was able to do, like you know i just taped something a week ago and i want to do new shit i don't want to do those jokes anymore but i also want to give them a good show so finding that balance is is yeah it, is it evol of, you evolve constantly i think you got to man i think louis kind of changed the game uh, uh, you know the special years, uh, year situation going on with him i just think you know the fact that he started just writing an hour every year was yeah. like i'm not saying i'm gonna do that but maybe every two years you know like i i think it's important to like he proved that like people want to see new shit i thought a lot of people were just toying with a lot of the same material and not the great comics but louis was and it's look when you're a big star it's one thing to write a new hour where the crowd is hanging on your every word but when you're when you're not like me you got to make an effort you got to make an effort to do new shit because they're not hanging on your every word it's and what separates people you got to prove yourself a little more and i kind of like that challenge and i'm kind of motivated by it you know i want to i want to have a really good new hour after this one i want each hour i think this one i just recorded is better than my last one you're coming out in february yeah What's, and i think where's it going to be uh released probably i'm probably just gonna put it on youtube honestly wow yeah we shopped it and there wasn't really any interest <laughs> and uh <laughs> yeah so that's so that. nuts i don't yeah but you know what i paid out of pocket i paid an amazing crew and an amazing editor an amazing set designer and it looks great and everything about it's pretty damn cool and uh if it's on youtube i think more people might watch it weirdly because right if everyone tweets about it and it's and, free and, and, and it's, it's there. free and there's a link and there's no commercials like i got offers but they would have been commercials and i i don't want to deal with commercials anymore because right. i think it fucks up what you're trying to make and i think people duck out and i'm trying i think long term this will actually make me more money because more people come out on the road and you need to make these clips shareable and i have a lot of short jokes so i'm trying to work with what i have and i think this is a good opportunity for that so um it's it's smart marketing in 2019 it it's really crazy. is crazy well, 2020 is when it comes out, but you're right. I think it's like going to be, 
this is how you got to do it. Unless you're on Netflix or HBO, then I don't really think any of the other ones are going to help me. And, uh, yeah, I think that we'll see. Maybe we might take one more. I shot it already and we're in the process of editing and it's like, yeah, this is better than my last special, I think. And I'm proud of it. So if I sell it, great. If not, this is what I'll do. And, uh, on to the next one, you know, you are, uh, heralded as an amazing joke writer Thanks. and you are, Thanks. I mean, people say it about you and they are absolutely right to say it yeah, because definitely. your jokes are very smart. Thanks. Man. And I got to ask you. When you, you mentioned earlier, when we started talking about you starting out, that you wrote like a lot of joke jokes, and then you were like, "Oh, well, that one's pretty good." Do you think that you have a specific style that you have to write to, or do you generally just kind of go with what pops into your head? Do a you feel like you both. have to force things into like a, a Sam Morell style? You know, it's funny. My uh, one of my best friends is a comic named Mark Norman, and uh, we know Mark. Yeah, yeah Mark's a great guy. comic, and I'll text Mark jokes sometimes, and he'll write back very Morell. Like if if he likes it, <laughs> be very morale, you know. Uh, yeah, I like uh, I I like just writing jokes that that fit how my voice has become as a comic. But I'm also not uh, I'm not married. Like I think if you're married to a certain rhythm or you're trying to recreate a, a style, then you're you're trapping yourself. And you're sure. not, as you said, you're talking about evolving as a comic. You're not going to evolve if you're doing the same thing and also i think if you're doing the same rhythm for an hour in terms of jokes there are great joke writers who do the same rhythm and they only pull it off because every joke is perfect and because they do like if you watch like anthony mm -hmm. jeselnik or rodney dangerfield who are as good as it gets with one-liners right mm -hmm. they both will mix it up with some crowd work in the middle because i think they're hyper aware that the rhythm will get predictable if they don't mix it up right yeah and and jeselnik is as good as it, there's not a better right turn comic than that guy. So, yeah. so I think you have to be aware of the rhythm of a show. And I'm not, uh, I don't, I kind of jump around in rhythm. Like in this, in each hour I've done, I've done, I have two that are available now. There's stories in both of those that mix up the rhythm. So I'm aware that I don't want the rhythm to be the same throughout right. the whole hour. And in the new one, there's a long story at the end. And it's, I think it's, a good way to keep people's attention because I've noticed with subjects even not just rhythm if you don't space them out like if I do if I do 12 dating jokes in a row I think the crowd's gonna be like what the fuck but if I do like four and then I do the other eight later it's just it's just gonna keep their attention more I and just, it feels like more of a complete conversation to that way because like when you're talking to your friends and you're trying to get a point across you know, you could go in some different directions as long as you finish strong with where you were trying to go. Exactly. Gary Goldman is great at this where he'll, it's almost, Gary's so intelligent, but also he knows how to cater to a generation that has horrible ADD like we all have. Right. So Gary will do a bit that'll end up being like 20 minutes, but he just weaves in and out, in and out. And you're like, man, that's so intelligent. And he'll be like, what was I talking about? Oh, right. And it goes right back into it. And that's a good way to keep people's attention with a long bit. And I think, uh, especially with short jokes, you have to be aware of keep, keeping people's attention. Because sure. I'm so used to looking in the crowd and seeing people on their phones and stuff, and I don't want that ever. Well, I've seen some comics who do, like, uh, you know, the one, uh, one-liner, 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 or maybe two lines, boom, punch, and they keep it very fast moving, ba-bing, ba-bing, ba-bing. And... I feel like the audience at some points almost goes, oh, I can miss one or two. And they look at exactly. their phone. Exactly, that's and what I'm saying. They, they, they take it for granted. It. So you want, like, I remember I did a show for JFL 
uh, in Toronto in September, and I got a bad review from this guy, but because he said, first off, the room was 105 degrees. It had me playing, and so I was drenched. I've ne I don't sweat really, but I was sweating like through my shirt. Right. The crowd was exhausted, and he the headline of the article was Morel overwhelms the crowd with his joke density. And it was a bad review saying I told too many jokes, and I was like, "Fucking comedy in 2020 or 2019." Yep. How dare you? Yeah, Just it's like I was stuff like, a set full of jokes. It, it's, yeah, it's getting to a point. It's like, how dare you do jokes at all? It's also like, like you're being supposed to get up there and talk about your day and what you're upset about. But don't you feel like these douches <laughs> want like they want? First off, he just wants a headline that grabs people. I feel like he gave everyone a bad review, but also. Like, it's almost uncool to be prepared now. Yeah. You know, it's almost like, like, would these kind of, like, hip rooms embrace Carlin's style of mm -hmm. just full preparation? Mm -hmm. Or do they want someone who's more conversational and in the moment? And that's cool. But I try to be conversational with my jokes, and I feel like just because I told a lot of jokes, he could tell that I put a lot of preparation into it. And I was like, yeah, I take this shit seriously. Like, I love it. So I'm going to put preparation into it. And, uh... I just, like, he thought that I tired the crowd out, and it was probably my worst show of the festival. But I, I definitely think some of the fault went to the to the venues and, and the circumstances and, and the heat and everything. Well, our internet is terrible. Those of you who are watching or sending in questions, I do apologize. I'm trying to get them to pull up, and our internet is just being the worst. Here we go. This one, uh, one just popped up. This one came from Kevin W., how do you deal with distractions while writing? Uh, do you do things like shut off your internet for a period of time every day while you write, or do you just kind of like write as things come to your head? I do the sec I do the latter. I, I don't shut it off. I know people that do, and they're probably smart to do that, but I think it depends what kind of writer you are. And my ADD is so bad that I will I will be doing multiple things at a time. Like I, it's very hard for yeah, me to me focus. Too. I'll have, I'll, especially on the road, I'll have the TV on in the background usually just because I don't feel super lonely. And then uh, I will do, I'll have like news websites up just to jumpstart my brain a little bit. And then I'll just have Word documents of old premises that I couldn't figure out. And that's what I'm trying to do this weekend because I can't just think of brand new shit all day. So I'll try to edit a lot. I got to tell you, I'm starting to think that maybe I'm not as crazy because that's almost exactly the way I do it. But I, I that's also... that's the only way to do it. Or not the only way, but that's the yeah. way. Yeah. I, I have to have music or something going on. I can't just sit down and do it. And I always have a spreadsheet of dumb ideas of things that I've written mm -hmm. open you just because one day like you, you joked earlier you cracked yeah. it jokes yeah. 2016 yeah, September and I popped that one up and it's just old premises it's, that I couldn't crack and it's you're like let me try to crack me. them I'm, I'm, I'm three years older I'm, I'm a better comic than I was in 2016 and I have probably have a, a fresh take on this so I, I let me ask you this when you decide you're going to write about something do things generally does the punchline pop into your head and then you work around it or are you like a premise first person premise first premise first okay. of an idea yeah I, I think writing thinking of a punchline and writing backwards if that works for you great that for me that would be like I, yeah I wouldn't know how to how to do that uh, okay. I think you need I need I need to I need to think of a funny like the angle to me is how I know it's going to be original. I think, if it yeah. is, so that's that's where I'll start. The angle, yeah. Like I'll think. Usually, a word will trigger me. Like, I did a new bit last night about how someone asked me. He said, "I've been battling depression," and I was like, "I just thought I thought that phrase was funny." Like usually, it's something like I'll be like battling. Like, it's not a battle for me. That was my angle. Like, right. It's never been a battle for me. You know. So like that's the turn. 
I'll usually hear something that makes me, th or I'll think, or I'll hear like, uh, something will make me think like, what's the term? Why is this? Why am I talking about this? Right. Why am I doing this? Uh, and yeah, that was, that was it. I also, I had a thing with, I fought really hard. Uh, I'm dating a comic and I was fighting really hard because I'll run bits by her if they're mm -hmm. about her just so she's not surprised when she hears them if we're on a show together or something. Sure. Mm -hmm. And I was like, this is funny. And she's like, it's not that funny. And I was like, I think it's funny. And it was just about her running uh, and it didn't hit. So it's like, you, I love that you fucking fight to do a bit and then the crowd didn't even laugh. Yeah, oh, I was yeah. like, oh, I'm glad That's this was worst. an argument between us. <laughs> yeah. And she's not even mad. She was actually cool about it. But I was like, the angle was something like... Um, I did it last night. It didn't really hit. It was like how everything to me is a joke. Like I can't focus. It really can't. So it was mm -hmm. about how she was saying, she was venting about something emotional for her. And I was like, oh, that's a bit right there. And she got really pissed that I said that in the middle of her venting. And she's like, not everything's a bit, Sam. And I was like, oof, tough crowd. You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it didn't hit. I thought it was kind of a funny angle. Aren't you a comic? Is what my response But Yes, it's a bit. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying is like, you gotta also be a human because I think not just that'll make you a more decent person, but it'll actually make you a deeper comic. I mean, we love Louis because he would go so deep. I think about himself, and uh, we love like why is Pryor considered the best? Is like he was so introspective and he was so he was so hyper aware of his flaws, and you don't get that from just maybe you do, maybe I'm wrong, maybe I mean I'm sure Pryor wasn't a great listener. <laughs> like I've never done, I've never freebase crack cocaine. Yeah, but, like, uh, did you say crack? I heard that. <laughs> maybe he wasn't a great listener. I was talking about the sidewalk, Richard. Focus. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. So I'm gonna let you get out of here because I know you're you're a little tired. But I'm gonna ask you one last question, and we try to ask everybody this just because. We have a lot of people who watch the show that are inspired to be performers. They sure. want to be performers. So uh, if you had to reset your career, like if you didn't have the career you've had at all and you were just getting into comedy now, how would you start? Where would you begin? Like like I start now, but it's 2019? 2019, you're Ooh. just starting. God, I don't know. How do you know. even start now in 2019? I would, I would be like a meme comic. I would just write like memes. <laughs> I wouldn't have to be around people. I wouldn't have to do the road. I would just write like funny, uh, funny, a funny take on like Starbucks. That is actually the best answer anybody's given to that question. So, Samarell, four more shows this weekend. I'm going to be there. Don't let that discourage you from buying tickets. But there are four more shows left. Uh, you can check out his new specials dropping in February. Yeah. And you can... Uh, or or late, it, probably February, maybe March. I think February probably. Okay. Keep an eye out for that. And uh, why wait? Come see him this weekend. We're going to be back with the news with Ross Johnson. Stay tuned. Thank you for being awesome and watching another episode of the Carlson Cast. Don't forget we're streaming live on Facebook and YouTube every Friday morning. You could also follow us on social media on Twitter and Instagram at Carlson Cast. You can listen anytime on iTunes, Google Play, and we're now available on Spotify. You should also check out an amazing app called Laughable. And on the Laughable app, you can connect to your favorite comedians in a way you never thought you could before. Download it in the App Store and visit carlsoncast.com for information on more shows. And don't be a jerk. Rate and review. Hey, everybody. We are back. It is time for our final segment of this episode. Uh, the part where Ross Johnson tells us everything that's going on in the world of stand-up. 
poorly, threw lots of stutters. Here's Ross Johnson. You look good. No, that's a great job. Very, very, very good. charismatic introduction there. Um, <laughs> so there's been a lot in the news going on lately. We haven't had a lot of time for a lot of extra stuff, but I, you know, I want us to remember the, the the reason for the season, which is of course the war on Christmas. Yeah, that's which why we've I'm not in. seen a lot of yeah. this year. I mean, it's not. Been, there's been a lot of other stuff going on. There's been a lot of other stuff to worry about, but it is going hot and heavy in Brazil. Ooh. Um, but you can get a piece of this right here, so this is good news. Did they wax Santa? <laughs> um, the Netflix... The they Netflix, found a flaming tire around his neck? <laughs> uh, the, Nef the Netflix uh, film, this was produced in Brazil. You can get this um, on your Netflix at home in the United States as well. Uh, the First Temptation of Christ um, has angered regional conservatives with its depiction of Jesus as a gay man who brings his boyfriend Orlando home to meet his parents, Mary and Joseph, during for his 30th birthday. Um, a, uh, Worst a, cosplay ever. A web petition. Uh, the nice thing is, though, he gets to have three years as his authentic self. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's sweet. I think I, I'm all for it. So a, um, a web petition started by a person named Alex Brin Brinda Johnson. Brinda Johnson. We'll say it like that. Sure. Um, has uh, as of as of yesterday afternoon has one million one hundred thirty two thousand signatures. Uh, they're directing it at Netflix, the production company, and the houses of the Brazilian legislature. Um, so um, at some people are up in arms about this. Apparently, I'm going to say that Brazil is a very populated country, and only a million people signed the petition. Nah, isn't it like the fourth largest. In the That's world? like. Half a Rochester signed a petition. <laughs> yeah, no one cares. True. It's true. So who knows? Um, uh, you know, like I said, it's it's currently available in the United <clears throat> States as well as Brazil. Obviously, um, uh, I guess it's a it's a whole comedy thing. At some point, God visits Jesus to reveal he's actually Jesus' real father and not Joseph. <laughs> and that <laughs> and, he's uh, very very ashamed of his chosen <laughs> lifestyle. Jesus gets choose between a happy gay life with Orlando, or uh, fulfilling his destiny of dying for all of humanity sin. So I have not seen the end. I won't spoil anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, It'll be a tough the, one to uh, weigh. Brazil's, Orlando knows how to mix a drink. I've heard Brazil's current <laughs> president uh, sort of ran on an anti uh, LGBTQ platform. So it'll be. Interesting to see where this goes, but you know, huh. hey, check out your Netflix if you want to ruin Christmas for some religious family members. <laughs> this might be something you could put on. We're yeah. gonna have Christmas Play dinner in the living Christmas room this morning. year. Absolutely. Yeah. All um, right, what else you got? Well, I didn't, I didn't, uh, you know, I know my, I know my normal thing is to start with the dead guy, but uh, I decided to start with something a little more fun first. It's always good to uh, sandwich it right in the middle. Absolutely. So you know, that their legacy is forgotten by the time we get to the you, final. So, story. so you decided to go bigotry death. Yeah. Instead of okay, yeah, all that's, right, that's how I roll. Yeah, <laughs> what do you got? There's no good place to put it, is what I'm saying, because uh, somebody's dead. Yeah. He died. And Chris Cotton, right? Yeah, Chris mm -hmm. Cotton, uh, 32 years old, died unexpectedly as of, uh, like I said, as of yesterday afternoon, or even this morning when I looked. There's no official cause of death, uh, but he had a child on the way. Uh, very tragic. Uh, he was a longtime comic. Hmm. He, uh, you know, big in the big in the Philly area. He also uh, had done a lot with Comedy Central in the last few years. He had done the red carpet for a couple of the shows and did some web series and things like that. So, he has um, one of my favorite bits he has is about uh, what's that uh, genealogy thing where you send your DNA? Oh, like uh, 23andMe? 23andMe. He's got a great bit on 23 He had a great bit on 23andMe. Uh, dibs. I don't think that's how it works. Oh, really? Like, no. Either way, RIP, Chris. You were a very funny guy. Ross gets all my jokes, by the way. Good. 
Ross, yell dibs. Brian got all Ed Sullivan's jokes, so. <laughs> I don't want Got his hairline. My yeah. Nixon stuff is strong. Sure. I don't know if I want dibs on. Brian's He's got uh, some really good Lyndon Johnson zingers. Yeah. Um, so, genuinely, you know, it's genuinely sad um, and tragic, and hopefully his... Uh, you know, his uh, a lot. There are a lot of he's getting his family and uh, friends are getting a lot of support in the comedy community. So mm -hmm. hopefully there's a yeah. use that. But. Now he had a son on the way. He his had a first son on child. The way. Yep. A couple weeks away. So you know, I made a joke. We're comedians. He probably would make a joke if I died. Probably not. He wouldn't know who I was. Uh, either way, this is terrible. R.I.P. Chris. Um, slightly, slightly more positive. This is my this is my uh, little holiday story. So, uh, comedy gives back. I don't know if you've heard of this this charitable. So this is a charitable organization. They work with big time comedians and and big time and lesser big time comedians to uh, uh, for years. They've done charity work. Basically, mm -hmm. they do fundraisers and shows and things like that. Uh, following um, following the, the the death of Brody Stevens earlier this year, the leadership and the founders of Comedy Gives Gives Back uh, sort of had come to the conclusion and realized that that's great. We're doing all this stuff for you know whoever. But there are plenty of comedians in our own community who aren't getting the support we need. Um, according to Sarah Silverman, co comics don't want to unionize because they're young and don't give a fuck, and then they're seventy. So they're all sorts. So they're they're switching their focus a little bit to do work with, um, uh, you know, young comedians in need. They're also looking at the idea of starting a basically an old folks. You know, like they're sort of the actors' equity home in Hollywood for actors. Right. There's nothing like that for comedians. So uh, Brian might have a place to go someday. Yeah. Five, I hope they years, get a bill quick. Five, six years from now. Um, they uh, they just did a fundraiser. They did a fundraiser Thursday night at the Improv Hollywood um, in L.A. where they raised about $90,000. Do uh, you know how awful it would be to work at the comedian old folks home? <laughs> yeah. Do you realize how <laughs> yeah, annoying the, worst like the, the staff that worked there would just be like, yeah, good one. Like, oh, oh. oh I, yeah. I know too that uh, a couple of comedians are going to get, I think it's through them uh, attached to that also, where like working out like a hotline that like, you know, like a suicide hotline, but when you call, you get a comedian. You get, you a, get a fellow comedian. You get jokes. No, because we, we're all messed up and <laughs> yeah. we'd rather talk to each other than talk to humans. Yeah, I did so, not see that. That's a good yeah. idea, though. That's a great yeah. idea. There's um, a lot of those bike horns when you call up. It's really. It's just... <laughs> they try to cheer you up. Somebody just makes a well-timed fart noise, and then you're just happy. Um, they're also doing a. They're also doing a charity single called Christmas Magic with 17 prominent comedians. I can give you the list of names, but it's names you've heard of. Uh, that's going to be. I think that's out now on YouTube. You can buy it. That's uh, all the proceeds go to charity, and you okay. can go to charitygivesback.com if you're you know want to support some comedians who need some food. I don't know. This is moral support. <laughs> moral I don't know. Support, Which yeah. is really all comedians need. They need moral support yeah. more than they need food. Yeah, right. Or air, to be honest yeah, with yeah. you. <laughs> um, but in all seriousness, I mean what a great what a great idea, you know. What except for like I said, for the employees at the said yes, comedians, I mean, you know. Yeah. Could you imagine just all day long people are just writing jokes about you? Oh, like yeah. if you're just in the kitchen and you work there and you're like, Oh, this gruel you sold it. i've had better i got nothing it's gonna be so many groped nurses at that oh go, my god <laughs> the groping oh. is just gonna be out of it, hand because well, it's not gonna be i mean there might be a few of you know you might get a few like dave Chappelle's who were huge and hit hard times or something like that but mostly it's gonna be people who didn't make a lot of yeah. money they're gonna so have they an were open mic medium. every day at 2 30 in the rec room <laughs> oh god <laughs> 
just the worst place ever. I, uh, I call in sick every improv day. That's what I'm... <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather die than go to old people improv. Yeah. Uh. So, hey, comedians. Hey, <laughs> hey, we get old. Yeah. We don't all Can like each other. Me? Yeah. Yep. I don't know. It is, it's uh, this is a very good cause. You've... But they haven't thought this out, obviously. You've convinced me that actually this is a terrible idea. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not giving them a penny. This is a great idea that hasn't been thought out, is really the point here. So uh, is that the news this week, Ross? That's the news. All right. So uh, come see Samuel this weekend. Uh, next week we have April Macy. We love April. So you're going to start sending your questions in for her if you'd like. Uh, until then, act right, Rochester. We'll see you next time. <laughs>